This episode of Anxiety Slayer is sponsored by Cozy Earth, the world's leading bedding, bath, and apparel company. Get up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code SLAYER at CozyEarth.com. Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. This week, Ananga and I are discussing the power of changing your internal dialogue for anxiety relief. Hey, Ananga, how you doing? Hey, Shan. It's good to be with you for another week and another episode. I know that I have to practice quite often to keep my internal dialogue in check, and I look forward to digging into this conversation with you. Yeah, it's definitely uh, ongoing work and something that we frequently need reminding about. And we know that anxiety affects how we feel and even sometimes how we function. But another way that it affects us is a way that we often overlook. And this is the way that we talk to and about ourselves. So you and I have been in conversation before where. I have shared something with you and I was being extraordinarily hard on myself and saying something like, uh, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to be that weak, which is such a, a pitta thing. And you would say, no, Shan, you're not weak. I see you as X, Y, and Z. And I'm so grateful for your friendship and, and for the way that you do that for me and the way that I can also do that for you because anxiety changes our dialogue which absolutely affects our self-esteem and our outlook on life. Yeah, you've done that for me a hundred times. And it feels really therapeutic and good when, when a trusted friend can do that for you. They can reflect back and give a different perspective. My daughter also will do that for me. She'll call me on things sometimes and I have to review them. So there's real power and healing in looking ourselves, looking kindly, turning to ourselves in our own words with kindness, but also having loved and trusted friends and family that, that can do that for us too. And definitely the words we're using to refer to ourselves, to describe ourselves internally, and eventually it becomes external, definitely affects our self-esteem. It affects our energy levels. It affects our Outlook on life, it's everything because it's the program we're running. You know, we all have these apps on our phone that are programmed to do certain things certain ways. And our internal dialogue, that's our programming too. Hence, this wonderful science of NLP, neuro linguistic programming, the study of the language that we're running and what that's doing for us, what experience that's creating for us. So it's very important work that we all need to do to review those dialogues. And whether you describe yourself as weak or affirm that something is wrong with you or get stuck in repeating negative what-if stories, this is all language that anticipates the worst that is so harsh. The self-harm that we do when we do that is not necessary not required, as I like to say. And we'll even hear many times in our private Facebook group, nothing works. I've tried this. I've tried tapping. I've tried guided meditations. I've tried rock flower remedies or whatever it is that you and I may have recommended. And they feel stuck in, the, in that space of where they are and that nothing works. And these are just words. It's not the truth, 
but they are words that hold us hostage to a fixed state, an outlook that doesn't help us live well. Yeah. And one of the easiest ways to change when we tell ourselves nothing works is to just add on the end the word yet. Mm. Nothing works yet. And then at least we're open to possibility of still looking. But, you know, how many things have we tried that haven't worked? A random example that's just coming to my mind. I was talking with a friend the other day. We both have the same bread machine. And she said, have you tried this particular type of bread? And I said, no, I tried it twice and all the ingredients got wasted. It just didn't work out. And then she said, yeah, me too. And then we spoke about another friend. It's like, she knows how to do it. We should ask her. (laughs) How did she make that loaf turn out so well? I mean, when mine just caved in and had raw ingredients, it was a mess. You know, a lighthearted example, but it's a relevant example. Somebody knew how to get that recipe to work. We didn't. Mm -hmm. We might think I've tried tapping and it didn't work, but we can add yet. Oh, tapping didn't work for me yet, but remain open to possibility that it's working for other people. And it does work. We might just need some help with getting it working for us. Mm-hmm. We might need to learn how to get our words right, learn more about it. And that applies to so many things in life. But we're very quick to give up on ourselves and to give up on our own mind. And that leads into being curious and being in the question. When you're struggling with your inner dialogue, practice being in the question. How can it get any better than this? What else is possible? What about this am I not getting? As we're talking about the bread example, you can ask your friend by sharing the story of what's happening and what else can I do to make this loaf of bread turn out well? What have I missed up until now? And when you stay in the question, that helps you be in a space of challenging your negative thoughts. And this is everything, in my opinion. When something comes up, when you can identify it, when you are aware of it, you can ask yourself, is there any evidence to support these thoughts? Or if there are any alternate explanations. If you think I'm stuck with anxiety, or I'll never be free of anxiety, you can ask yourself, what evidence do I have to support that? And again, what else is possible? It really is just about busting that dialogue because it holds us so rigid. As you use the word hostage, it holds us hostage to that experience. And then we're denying ourselves the opportunity to find something that's going to help. Just by that languaging, it locks us down. When we say, I could never do that, I could never learn to do that. We do this kind of double-sided bypassing where somebody might share an experience and our mind or If we're not having a good day out loud, we might say, well, it's okay for you. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we're bypassing that person's experience, which is hurtful and disrespectful. And then we're excluding ourselves from the opportunity of learning from that and sharing that experience. Right. So it's like a double-edged bypass. We're disrespecting somebody else's experience and denying ourselves an experience of improvement. And it's all down to that language in which then runs like a broken record and it comes out in our attitudes and our outlooks. And it it can be really interesting once we start looking at that and challenging it. And then I invite you to 
instead of thinking in negative terms, try to reframe your thoughts as much as you can in a more positive and empowering way. Instead of thinking, I'll never be able to do this, you can reframe it as, I may not be able to do it right away, but with practice I can improve. Which ties beautifully into what you said about something not working yet. Yeah. We need to practice. Every single time you judge yourself harshly, catch yourself the best you can and try to reframe it. It really will help you improve this part of your life if you, if you get stuck in your own internal thoughts. We can state things honestly, and we must be able to do that, to state things honestly to ourselves and to our friends, but it shouldn't be like that's the end of the road, like it's a dead-end street. So we might wake up and say, I feel really low today, or I'm having a difficult day today, but then we need to move on. How can I support myself? What do I need? As you often say, Shan, how do I feel? That's the fact of it. What do I need right. to move through? You know, How can I turn around this day as best I can? How can I go to bed tonight knowing that I've done the best I can for myself and I'm not just getting into bed feeling defeated, feeling hard on myself, feeling that I've let myself down, but that I can turn in tonight thinking, okay, well, I tried some tapping, some breathing. I tried reaching out for help. I tried to prepare something nutritious, go for a walk, do some breathing, whatever it is to give yourself that gift that when you turn in at the end of the day, you know you've done the best you can for yourself. And it's also important that we monitor ourselves in the, in the words that we live by, our words, our internal dialogue. Every so often, it's helpful to review that. And so I just mentioned just trying to be in that awareness, be in the awareness of the way you talk to yourself internally. Are you kind to yourself? How do you refer to yourself when you're talking with others? Do you put yourself down? Uh, are you mean to yourself internally or when you're talking with others? And then how do you respond when people ask you how you're doing? How you're feeling? How your day is? What happens then? And then, of course, the stories that we run that you just touched on about how we're doing, uh, whether we're struggling or whether we're having a good day and waiting for the other shoe to drop, like we talked about in a prior episode. The words we live by are so potent and powerful. And it's important to review your dialogue as often as you can because it will improve by degree. And it helps in all areas of our life our outlook, our mental well being, our physical well being. We're putting ourselves under duress. We're stressing ourselves down to a cellular level when we're turning in on ourselves and we're referring to ourselves negatively. And the other side of the same coin is we help all those things when we upgrade our dialogue. And we're all going to catch ourselves falling back, but we just need to adopt the habit of noticing and adjusting. Oh, I've been a bit rough on myself today. How can I change that? And it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It really does. I was just thinking about how I'm feeling extra stressed and it maybe not being very kind to myself if I just kind of cross my arms over my chest and grab my shoulders and just give myself a squeeze and be like, it's okay. We're good. Yeah. Kind of switch things up. The other, the other part of the words we live by 
are the words from others. The sayings that were drummed into us when we're young, whether that be from parents or teachers or bullies or just not so nice people in the world. We all have them and we all have examples. I know you have an example, Ananga. Yeah, I mean, we have loads, don't we, really, from grandparents, parents, teachers. Mm -hmm. The first one that comes to mind for me is something my dad would say a lot. He would say, attention to detail. And I hated it. It used to really stress me out. I found it kind of military and stiff and stressful. Mm -hmm. And I was too young, really, to understand what he meant. And my nature was, as I've shared many times on the podcast, my nature as a child was quite anxious and sensitive. So I, I didn't like that when he said attention to detail. And I never felt that I could live up to what was expected. I didn't understand it. And I didn't feel I could live up to it. Mm -hmm. But as I got older, I reviewed it and I can see that it has its merit in certain areas. One example is my daughter is a miniature artist whose work is all about attention to detail. She paints the most tiny, tiny details every day, but it's in a very different context. So for her, it serves her well, but in her way and on her terms. So that's important too. Sometimes we need to review things and, and know whether we need to chuck them out or we can upcycle them is the word that comes to mind you know <laughs> yeah yeah make them work for us my dad was a marine so when you talked about the military feeling of things he would say get your priorities straight he'd love to say that to me when i was a teenager and uh it made me want to burn everything to the ground <laughs> you know in totally in his defense I was a handful, but I didn't want to hear it and had no idea how to get my shit together at the time. It would have been much better served had there been some storytelling or some questions or some curiosity uh, or suggestions about some of the things that maybe I could do or that I could work on or practice to get my priorities straight. Mm. And then, of course, as an adult, having my priorities straight and even attention to detail are a big part of who I am. And that's where we can reject what doesn't serve as well and accept what does, maybe with some adjustments, and, and do our work. Because the more we review, the more we can be in that place of understanding or forgiveness or release instead of carrying it all around with us or deciding that we're just going to throw everything out or burn it down and, and miss out on some treasure in that experience. Yeah, and in that teaching, I can see some ways where attention to detail is, is useful. I used to be very adverse to the word discipline. Mm, me too. Now I'd like more discipline. Yeah. It means I can get done what I want and need to do with each day. Give me the discipline. Now that doesn't have negative meaning to me, but it did. Mm -hmm. Last year I was... Um, spending some time studying Vedic astrology. I still am, but not as intensely as I was last year. And one teacher that I very much enjoyed listening to is a gentleman called Ernst Wilhelm. And he calls this the work of Mars, the planet Mars, looking with an adult eye and understanding the things that our parents said were never absolutely right or absolutely wrong. 
about everything. Anxiety can make us very black and white. It's a real black, white mind state. So the work that he proposes here is that we sort through those memories and statements for ourselves now with the understanding we have now as adults and that we keep what's helpful and discard the rest. But we allow for shades of color and shades of experience that it isn't just black or white. Mm-hmm. And I found that very helpful. That was something I carried with me for some weeks and really went back to thinking about that and looking at that. It's really a potent teaching. And it goes hand in hand with forgiveness as well. Mm. One of the practices that I have around, because I also study astrology, is around this time we're recording right now on a new moon solar eclipse. And one of the things that that you do is work through your gratitudes and forgivenesses. And as each cycle comes and goes, who do I need to forgive? And often, you know, I'm at the top of the list, but continuing to be in that space of release and intention and drawing in and continuing that cycle. And that's great because then with, with those moon cycles, you have that frequent opportunity and, and nudge for review. Mm-hmm. It's just so helpful to do that, to regularly review and look at things. And, and then it doesn't feel like such a massive quest. It's ongoing work, ongoing gentle work. And it becomes a state of mind that we're holding on a daily basis naturally. It doesn't take energy. It just becomes natural to us. This episode of Anxiety Slayer is sponsored by Cozy Earth, the world's leading bedding, bath, and apparel company. Named one of Oprah's favorite things for several years in a row, Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheet set is temperature-regulating and incredibly soft. I've been sleeping in Cozy Earth bamboo sheets for a while now, and they quickly became my favorite sheets of all time. They are so soft and seem to get softer with each washing. Give the gift of Cozy Earth this Mother's Day. From luxurious loungewear to incredibly soft bedding, Cozy Earth has it all. Take it from me, your mom is going to love anything you give her from Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners today. You can get up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code SLAYER at CozyEarth.com. Before the break, we were talking about words to live by and making sure that we release as much as we can that doesn't serve us and revisit what's happened and and just do the work of, of moving forward in our lives without carrying that the weight of everything. But I'd also like to dig into a remedy for an anxious dialogue. And this begins with listening out for it and replacing that dialogue with a statement of purpose. You can choose some words that mean something to you and draw you towards what you want to experience versus what you don't want to experience. Mm. It's really an interesting thing to look at that statement of purpose. It's quite a broad statement, isn't it? Like a mission statement, like how do we want to live? 
You could even think of um, one way to construct it as how would I like to be remembered or how do I like to be seen by my loved ones and by my friends? And to have a statement that really reflects how you want to live versus how you feel you're, you are living under the shadow of anxiety. So that can be worth reflecting on over time and writing it down. We can change it. We can upgrade it. We can add to it. But it's a very powerful thing to have. Let's segue into talking a little bit about affirmations and a practice that you shared with me recently that your daughter is doing where she notes affirmations and then also interference. Yeah, that's her morning journaling practice. She'll write down positive affirmations and then she writes what she calls interference. So the thoughts that might be um, objectors, objection thoughts to those positive affirmations. And then she works with those. That's something we used to teach with tapping in tapping workshops as well years ago. And it's um, really quite profound work where you can make a statement of intent or a positive affirmation, whether it's spoken or written down. And very often our mind will come up with something. We used to call them the yeah buts. Mm -hmm. Somebody will say to you, I see you as a really uh, capable person. And then our mind will say, yeah, but you know, you don't know how much I'm struggling or I've, I really haven't got a handle on that or whatever it is, we've all got plenty of them. So we would teach how to use tapping to clear. Clear out the yeah buts. Clear the yeah buts, yeah. <laughs> and help the affirmation embed in our mind, at least as a possibility. And uh, my daughter's devised her own clearing process too for her work in the morning. So whatever works for us as individuals. Right, right. And I invite you all to write down some affirmations for yourself. We can give you some starts, whether it be I am capable, I am worthy, I am strong. Continue the list. Maybe you can come up with a few more items, a few more I am statements, and then repeat these affirmations regularly to help reinforce positive self talk and to improve that inner dialogue and reduce anxiety. One of my very, very favorite affirmations, although I'm not sure it's a, a true affirmation, but it's something that I do, it seems like all the time now, is all of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. It's something I say when I wake up. It's something I say before I go to bed. I learned this from Dr. Dane here, co-founder of Access Consciousness. This is just a way to kind of clean and clear the slate and draw in positive, sweet energy. And here's another invitation. Repeat that 10 times in the morning and 10 times before bed if you can. All of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory, even if it makes you giggle, even if you think it's just right, this is ridiculous, but it's not. And you'll start to really find more ease and joy and glory in your experience, the more you practice this, which I think is super cool in itself. Yeah, especially if we pitch it against what's currently running, mm -hmm. the dialogue we're currently running. Sometimes we might wake up and think, 
I just don't know how I'm going to get through this day. You know, how, how am I going to get through this day with this anxiety? And as soon as we think that, the anxiety escalates because we're affirming anxiety. Yeah, so imagine tapping on your collarbone, just on your collarbone and saying, all of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. All of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. It'll change your energy. And again, it's okay to affirm the truth of the situation first. You can tap on your collarbone and say, I feel really anxious this morning. I don't know how I'm going to get through today. Just tap, take some deep breaths, and the anxiety will start to dissipate. And then bring in the positive. So you've said it as it is. You've honored your truth, but you're not going to carry that round with you all day like a heavy suit of armor that you've got to just drag with you wherever you go. It's okay to state the truth, but then we can state what we're going to do to support ourselves or a shift in attitude. And then we also want to work with language. And we've talked about that a little bit already. Uh, just noticing and changing, coming back to that mindfulness, back to what's happening in our minds, identifying the negative self-talk. So yes, I'm repeating myself here, but it's, imp it's important to pay attention to your internal dialogue and take note of any negative thoughts or beliefs that may be contributing to your anxiety. If you find yourself thinking, I'm not good enough, or I'll never, never be able to do this, Recognize that these are thoughts and they're not helpful and they can fuel your anxiety. So these would be good statements again to tap through and to clear so that you can really get rid of as much of the unhelpful dialogue as possible and then tap in new ones. Just like you just said, Ananga, state what's happening, tap through it, and then state what you'd like to invite in. Yeah, sometimes with tapping, we call it stating the ugly truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. People sometimes ask me, why are you tapping for negative things? We're not tapping for them. We're tapping to release them, to clear them. And the example I often give with that is if you go to a doctor and they ask you, you know, what's up? And you say, nothing, I'm fine. Mm. Then you're not going to get the help you need. Right. But if you say, you know, I've got, I've got a really sore throat. It hurts when I swallow. You know, my food tastes weird. I'm really uncomfortable. It's very red. It's very inflamed. The doctor knows how to help you with that because you've stated the truth of your situation. So we do that with tapping. Initially, we state the ugly truth. We state the facts of how we feel, but with the intention of clearing them, releasing them, and moving on to a better state of mind. And a really great way to use tapping is to tap for a few minutes on the truth and then tap on the desired truth or the desired replacement. And we have some help with that in our Patreon, Shan. You recorded a kind words tapping session, a guided tapping session where you talk us through on noticing and softening the harsher words we often express towards ourselves when we're trying to cope with anxiety. So that's there on our Patreon, along with many other tapping sessions. And more than anything, please practice self-compassion. Be kind and gentle with yourself. You really do deserve that. Remind yourself that it's okay to make mistakes, that everyone has their own struggles, 
and treat yourself with the same kindness and understanding you would give to a close friend or to a child or family member. You really deserve that sweetness. And practice, practice, practice. That's what we need to do is just be in that space of practicing and curiosity and noticing. Because when we're in those spaces, we can really make a big difference. Yeah, and practice self-encouragement as well. Little pep talks here and there. Um, Just acknowledge when you've done something well. Acknowledge when you've given something your best effort. Shan, you shared that practice of crossing your arms and giving yourself a hug, um, holding on to opposite shoulders and just sending yourself support. That's something I do a lot too. If I'm feeling stressed, then I run my hands down the opposite arms as a calming practice. That's an energetic calming practice. Or sometimes I'll just give myself like a pat on the chest and say, okay, that was tricky, but you, you did the best you could with that. It might be the most simple thing, like going to the store when I don't feel up to it and I don't want to interact with other people or I feel overwhelmed at going and finding an item. I might not be having a good day with my health, but I need to run that errand. Then when I've done it, I'll just give myself a little well done, like you would a friend. Mm. Being a friend to yourself. Sometimes I do it when I'm driving, if I have to navigate a tricky junction that I'd rather avoid, and I've decided today's the day to lean in and not avoid it. Then when I'm over the other side, I'll give myself a little, hey, well done. You did it. You lent in. Just coaching ourselves and encouraging ourselves is active self-compassion. And over time, it changes the way we relate to ourselves, where instead of berating ourselves, we start naturally supporting ourselves. And again, that has its knock-on effect on our nervous system, on our anxiety, and on our overall health and well-being. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. If you love our podcast, consider becoming a patron and you'll get over 150 guided relaxations, tapping sessions, and Ayurvedic teachings for calming anxiety. Visit patreon.com slash anxietyslayer.